Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Let's let her rip, brother. Let's let her rip. Let's do it. 150, 150, (laughs) and it's just, it's just us. It's just us. Just us, us clowns, as usual, ripping on all things creative, artistic, and industry. Yeah. Finding that balance. Not so serious, so we're just going to talk. Yeah. We're just going to do this thing. Like half the time, we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when we have topics... Like we know what we're getting into, but we still don't really know what we're going to talk about. So true. We're not, uh, we're not showing up. If people, if anyone has listened to our podcast before and, and they think that we're, we've sat down, we've got like a pad and paper. If, and if you're watching us live, live stream this thing, then you know that that's not the case. We are literally, we're standing and sitting here with beers in our hands. There's no notepad with, and it's like, all right, we're going to touch on this and touch on this and touch on this. We don't know what we're going to touch on. Yeah. And that's kind of the fun of it. Totally. Di- discovering it as you go. Yeah. And the guests that have been on, have always said it's been, uh, some of their favorite interviews because they, you know, they, a lot of time people come on and they are like, well, what's the questions? What, what kind of questions are we going to answer? We're like, well, it's not like that. We're going to ask you what we're actually curious about. And people, it's so funny how when people come on, they're like, oh, okay. And then they get on and it just is a conversation. They're like, wow, I really feel like I just got to talk. And all the questions are born out of actual curiosity, not like some agenda, not some focus. Yeah. And then we don't even know where the conversation's going to go. And it always seems to, in my experience, it always seems to eventually find its legs and go somewhere that we didn't expect, which is, yeah. that's really where the nuggets are for me, you know? The nugs. The nugs. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's been going on in your life, my man? Um, you know, still like really, really digging music these days. Um, both as like a, a listener and, but also in terms of, um, making music, just feeling like it's interesting. Like I, I used to like, whenever I would just be kind of messing around or whatever, I'd be like, Oh yeah, that kind of sounds cool or whatever. I'd stumble upon something and then I would just forget about it. And now I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. I'm going to make note of this. I'm going to turn this into something now. Right. I'm like, there's some, I don't know. It's just like, it's, there's this new level of excitement and exploration to music for me. So that's been really cool. That's cool. I mean, if anybody's been listening there, they would have seen your journey too, from when you started. I mean, I think it kind of almost started back, um, when Teresa came on Mm. art is best when you just don't give a fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Such a great podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And she came on and you asked her like, what's the, you know, what's the, she's like, just do it. (laughs) Yeah. And, and she's absolutely right. Yeah. You know, when you, um, and almost kind of like, I, I would almost say like you trial, trial by fire that shit, mm. you know? Um, and especially in, and in many ways, like as nerve wracking and as, um, intimidating as it was, because basically my experience with starting to just to recap, um, for people who are maybe listening for the first time or haven't heard some of me talk about this, but, uh, part of, part was the intimidation of having other musicians there, Mm. um, for me 
writing my first song, performing a song, like basically for the first time that was an original work for other people and people who are in the industry, yeah, people who are doing it. And that was, that was really intimidating, but in many ways it kind of gives you no place to run, no place to hide. I'm like, yeah. you've just got to do it, uh, and do it to the best of your ability, you know? And, uh, and no matter what comes of it, like it's, there's, it's all good. Yeah. You know, like it was because there are things about the song that, that was put together. I'm like, Oh, you know what? Like with the chance to do it again, I might've done a few things differently, but that's fine. Lesson learned, write, an, write another song, you know, like that's the thing. Like it's, it, it, and it's part of uh, getting that whole precious thing that we've talked about a lot on the show in, in, in terms of don't not making your work so precious. And it's mm. like, Oh, well what it's like, listen, th- you've got, if you're going to be any kind of an artist, no matter what you do, like if you're hinging everything on, on the thing that you're doing now, like it's never going to happen. Like there's got to be a certain element that you can throw your work away. Right. You know, like That's it's so true. It doesn't mean yeah. that you don't give a shit about your work, you know, but there's got to be a certain element of like, there's more that I'm going to do. And no, this might not be perfect, but you do the best that you can do and you put it out there. Hmm. You do it and then you move on. Right. Because who knows what the next thing's going to happen. If you stay stuck on, on this one thing, you'll never know what, what else can come, right. what else you can do. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like, it was, it's been an interesting exercise in learning to let go a little bit as well. It's been neat to see how far you've come with it too. I mean, it it really kind of like, once you made that first song, it kind of opened the floodgates for the rest of everything else. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's a good lesson that, you know, everybody in any medium can take away that like getting that first one out is going to be like so hard in the beginning because you don't know what you're doing. But once you get that one out, everything else is kind of, kind of be easier because I think like when it's just in your mind, the, there's this, all these blocks around it all, you know, there's all these ideas and the way it's supposed to be and, and what you're supposed to be like. And so like, I think what ends up happening is you get it out there and you realize that like, Oh, like this is not, I, I I don't know. I shouldn't speak for you. Like, cause you know, it's more recent experience for you, but Mm. at least for me, like, you know, when I've started something for the first time and I feel, especially when you feel like you start late, you're kind of like, Oh, you know, I should be somewhere. Yeah, Yeah. You know, like one thing that I'm kind of going through right now is, um, in, in a lot of ways, restarting my film career, because, you know, I took the last few years and kind of just went and pursued my screenwriting career, which was, has been a really great adventure. But, you know, I've been, my goal has been to kind of, uh, move from screenwriting into filmmaking again. And what's interesting about it is like when I left, well, I didn't really leave filmmaking, but when I took kind of a break, you know, last project I was doing was, you know, I mean, it was like, you know, like hundred thousand dollar project, you know, like 42 actors, you know, we had a crew, we had a whole, uh, you know, group of people. It's like 123 people at one point in this production was major, you know, four wardrobe and props and set decks and crazy stuff. And so there's this part of me that kind of wants to pick up where I left off. But, you know, as I've been, um, learning a lot about screenwriting and I've been, I've been had the opportunity to work with a lot of other really great filmmakers and stuff and a lot of the really great producers. What I found is that, you know, in a lot of ways for me to start to actually launch the career, the way I want to launch it is not necessarily the way I was doing it before. In a lot of ways, 
I did things bigger, but I didn't necessarily do them in a way that would actually actually get me forward. Yeah. They maybe opened up doors, but you know, what I'm kind of being more encouraged to do now is actually to, to do things a lot simpler and a lot smaller, which is kind of interesting. So like, you know, I'm going to be going about making like proof of concepts and stuff like, you know, the five of them actually. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's kind of smaller and it's not, uh, you know, it's not as high, you know, high production and it's glamorous or anything. Right. But it's, it's really kind of, it's actually giving me the opportunity to work with more like industry professionals. And, you know, ultimately it's what's setting up for me to do the bigger films that I want to do. Yeah. And I think like you said something earlier, which really rung true to me is like, that's a big lesson I'm kind of learning and being reminded of is that whatever I'm doing right now is really, it's not the final thing. It's to get somewhere. It's, it's, it's a thing that's moving forward, but there's kind of a funny thing about that because whatever you're doing, you need to do it like it's important. Yeah. But at the same time, you need to not do it like it's so important that it's the only thing you'll ever do. Yeah. And there's kind of a balance there because you got to make it like you got to make the, if I go in and make these proof of concepts to like, let's just bang out five of them and then I can get to the thing I really want to do then it probably won't happen because these need to be important. Yeah. But at the same time, if I mess one of these up, if I just totally botch it, it doesn't mean that it's over. Like yeah. it's just kind of like, this is a learning process. This is kind of creating my reel and opening up the door for me essentially so I can be a proven director. So, yeah. you know, the company that I work for will actually, you know, where they will invest in me to actually direct a feature. Yeah. Right. Because I can go in and I can make a feature on my own dime or I could maybe raise money independently. But if I want to go down the road and actually be a feature director on bigger budgets, basically right now they're like, well, just, you know, we need to prove, we need to know that you can direct, that you can handle it if we're going to put money behind it, yeah. you know, cause I can already write, I can create that part of it. But like, what are you going to do on the bigger production? And like when I ran my own smaller production, it's a bit different, right? Yeah. This way you're working with people who maybe have a lot more experience than you. And so you're this young director, you need to be able to hold it down and you need to be able to be efficient, have a vision. Yeah. You've got to be able stuff. to, you know, you need to be technically and mentally capable of steering the ship. Right. Right. And the responsibilities, the pressures that come with that. Right. Right. Um, and you got to be workable. Like that's the other thing too, is like, maybe if you're going off and you're producing films with a lot of different people and you never work with the same people, it's fine. But like, I'm going to be working with a lot of the same people I'll probably be working with for a lot of my career potentially. So in a lot of ways I'm earning relationships with them and working relationship with them. And so like, cause some people lose their head, right? Like they lose their hat in the whole scenario. And so, um, you know, part of it too, is just seeing how you can handle the pressure, how you can behave on set, you know, your, your demeanor, your calmness at the same time, having that standard of like world-class, but also making it, making a good workable environment. Because the other thing too is, you know, nobody wants to work with someone who's super difficult either. Right. Unless you're coming up with something absolutely genius and maybe you can get around some things, but like, are you going to rely on that for your whole career? You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's an interesting time. Yeah. But you know what I'm finding, you know, more and more is whenever you start something, it's always kind of this humble beginning, you know? Yeah. Because like, I've made a lot of films now and I've written a lot of scripts, but even starting again, it's kind of like, it really kind of feels like I'm restarting my whole career again. Mm. It really does feel that way. Yeah. You know? And like the experience that I have is, 
is, you know, it's, it's nice to have it, but I don't know if it necessarily gives me, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily give me a massive advantage or anything. Like the thing that I have to get around mentally is that nobody cares about what I did before. You know what I mean? Right. They only care about what I'm doing now. Yeah. And that's, you know, and so even if you start music now, say you even had a whole bunch of songs before, you know what I mean? In a lot of ways, like if you're starting your music career now, all that really matters is what are you going to release now? What are you actually going to show and do and use to move forward? You know, but at the same time, I think that we got to like put heart into this stuff, but not get so caught up in what it is. Like one of my producing mentors always says like, it doesn't matter. You could have like three flops. People don't really remember your flops as much as they remember your huge successes. Yeah. And you see this all the time with actors and filmmakers where they have that one great film and like, yeah, they made some shit, but no one like people, oh, that's crap. But people don't really get hung up on that. If something brilliant comes yeah. out of it, right? Unless you really keep on putting out a bunch of crap, yeah. <laughs> like, like really almost seeming like going out of your way to make crap. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, especially like you're mentioning about like, you know, just this sense of like taking a step back. And I mean, even that I would say it's like almost like a that's, that's not even necessarily the case, you know? And it's like, well, you know, used to like, I'd run this production with all these people and now I'm doing something it's smaller and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, it's always, I don't think it's quite so simple as, as that, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, because these proof of concepts can like open the door for something far bigger mm-hmm. like that you know, like it's, it's all, it's hard to, to cast any kind of a, a judgment on bigger, smaller, you know, more important, less important. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, like, totally. Cause, cause you know, some filmmakers I've worked with, they've only made one proof and they're already kind of, you know, they've already had doors get open for them, mm. you know? But, um, I think the thing is, is that it's kind of like, it's kind of like a game plan. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily to say like, Oh, well five's the magic number. Maybe it's seven. Maybe it's only three. Maybe it's only one. But in certain ways, what you're doing is you're, you're creating a certain kind of thing that makes it, you know, that makes yourself viable in this industry. Right. Because the thing is, is like people are going to put a lot of time and money and effort into investing in you. And if you want to have the things you want to have, you know, you, you have to, you know, a proof of concept, this is an interesting thing to, I've learned about proof of concepts over the last few years is a proof of concept. Isn't so much always just to prove that you can make a concept It's to prove that you can do something that you're workable, that you can perform, that you can get certain results. Yeah. It's not as, it's not even as much about your story. It is about your story in certain ways. Yeah. But part of it is about demonstrating that you have the potential to be worth investing in because that's really, yeah in this industry, like you're, you're kind of investing in a human being in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, you're, it's, um, very much, you know, the proof is, it's a proof in many ways, hmm. you know, it's, it is like a, and for people who are listening to this right now, what we're talking about proof of concept in case you don't know, it's kind of, it's more something that's becoming a bigger and bigger thing in the film industry, Yeah, which is, it's not, it's not like a trailer. It's, kind of like a trailer, but it's basically filming like a short part of like a film that, in, that captures, um, 
the vision, the sort of the, like what it's going to look like the kind of what the story's about, you know, it it does create sort of an enticing element of, uh, and curiosity like a trailer is supposed to, but its intention is, um, basically for uh, studios, for investors to see and be like, Oh wow, that looks like something that we want to make. Yeah. Um, And it's supposed to, the thing is it's supposed to, I mean, there's no necessarily one or all specific things, but to demonstrate that something could be unique and new, because there's so much stuff in the industry that's just, you know, um, copycat garbage. Yeah. The end, the, another thing that it's supposed to do is to basically in Hollywood, they'll always say, well, it all comes down to execution. It's basically just helping take execution off the table because you could have a great script, but nobody knows how you're going to execute it. So yeah. the proof of concept gives people an idea of how it would be executed. Yeah. Um, another element is that what it's supposed to do is in a lot of ways, sell potential or intrigue, like where, um, a trailer, you know, kind of sells more of a promise. Like it's kind of like, this is kind of like we shot this and we're showing you, we're showing you these highlights so that this is what you're going to get. But like, yeah, a proof of concept isn't necessarily a completed uh, piece of work. So what it's doing is saying like, this is in many ways showing where it could go, or it's giving, it's leaving you with a place of like, I wonder where this will yeah. go because I really want to know. Yeah. It yeah. creates like an essence mm-hmm. and you know, and yeah, and it's, it's very much a proof in showing uh, what you're technically capable of, but it's also in many ways a proof of like, artistic vision mm-hmm. as well. It's That's a like, big part you, of it. Do you yeah. have, um, do you have a voice? Do you have, you know, something that you're bring that you are bringing to it that is intriguing, mm-hmm. that is different and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think there it's, it's such a cool thing. Um, and yeah, so yeah, there's these proof. And, and I think the thing that I want to get into with that is that it's like, you know, it's because yeah, there's, there's this conundrum this, I guess, dilemma, if you will, of, well, you don't want to throw it away, but at the same time, you don't want to get too attached to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and you're sort of in this in-between place and it's that in-between place where we, we really thrive the most and finding that balance in, in between it, because, you know, it's not like, all right, well, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to make these five proof concepts and, and, I'm going to try and come up with an example here of when it would be in a good position and when it wouldn't necessarily be a good position. Not a, not necessarily a great position would be, well, I'm doing these five things and they're whatever, you know, all these five stories are, you know, I'm not particularly excited yeah, about them, yeah. but you know, I'll, 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 I'm, I'm going to try and make them look, look cool hmm. as opposed to, I've got these five things and I would l- fucking love to make all of these. Yes. You know, that's, that's the place the thing, you want to be. The, one of them will probably be made. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too, is that, you know, you don't do proof of concepts so that you can make something other than the proof of concepts you made. You make proof of concepts because like out of five, if you kind of know what you're doing, chances are one of those five is going to be pretty rock solid, Yeah. you know, but I've seen lots of people do proof of concepts and they don't get success. And like, I can tell you this, like uh, the majority of the work that comes through on my table or really anybody's table, who's like affiliated with me 
is it's all proof of concept. Like almost all of it's proof of concept or it's like, or it's a package and it's a presentation usually with imagery or something like that. But I've seen lots of proof of concepts now and I'm kind of getting more of a feel for what works and what doesn't and why certain things don't work. But sometimes you see these proof of concepts. Now they look great. The, the visual effects are awesome. You know, the lighting's great. The shots are great, but they just have nothing like of real value in them and they mm-hmm. will never get made. And they're kind of crappy. And the thing is, is like, I think a lot of people miss, um, the point on proof of concepts. They think a proof of concept is like, Oh, I'll just make the prettiest film or I'll make something look really cool. Yeah. And like that often actually doesn't matter. It's like, that's kind of just icing. Really what matters is do you have an idea that makes people go, Oh, that needs to be made into a movie. And the thing is, is that I've seen some of the best proof of concepts I've seen have been the simplest, but they have something unique about them. That's kind of like, well, no one's ever quite done that or no one's done it that way or whatever. And and sometimes it seems like the best proof of concepts too are stuff that you almost, you almost don't even understand it, but in, but you know, there's something really cool. Like, you know, I actually do a a proof of concept course in my school and I teach people how to go through this process. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you go through them all and I show like demonstrations of other proofs. And I mean, you know, it's, it's not easy to do a great proof of concept. I'm like, I don't want to say that, but if you don't even know what makes a good one, your, your, your chances are like, I just Mm -hmm. think like there's, you you know, you, you probably don't even have a chance. Yeah. But what'll happen is a lot of the times when people come up with proof of concepts that actually work, I would say more often than not, what ends up happening is you need like a manager or a development company or someone who sees potential in the potential of your idea. Because a lot of the time, um, a lot of the proof of concepts that I see people make, they're not actually at a place where it's like, we could take this into development right now. They Mm -hmm. usually need to be developed. But the thing is, is if you have a good manager or you have a good, like, you know, uh, a development producer or someone like that, or creative producer, or essentially a sales producer, someone who feels they could help make that more into what it needs to be, that can get close the gap. But I think that requires the connection. If you want a standalone proof of concept, you need something that when people see, they, they're kind of like, they're kind of like, it, it's good. Like it needs to be a movie. You know what I mean? And I, and it's kind of like a hit song. You know, how do you explain it? Right. Everyone knows when they hear a hit song, they kind of, Oh, that's going to be a hit. You know, you kind of hear it and you kind of know, Yeah. but like a proof of concepts like that too, is like when you're making it, you don't know if it's going to be a hit. So you kind of have to let that go a little bit. So you kind of have to, you kind of have to go about it in a sense of from, from what I see more and more is you kind of got to go about it and you got to put your best foot forward, but understand that, you know, if you're making a whole CD, right, maybe, you you know, it'd be amazing if one song on that whole CD was a hit, Mm -hmm. right? If you, if you end up making all hits, that's incredible, right? A lot of people will make a CD and they won't have one hit on them, but their music could be pretty good and they might get, be able to make more music and still sell. But if you had a hit, it would monumentally improve your chances, right? Yeah. Like making proof of concepts is kind of like making a song. You know, you want to make a bunch of them because you want to kind of start to get the feel of what it is. Because if you make one song and then you rely on that being your hit and the first time out it has to be a hit, yeah. chances are unlikely, you know, could happen, but like, that's a lot of pressure. And I think when you put that much pressure on yourself, a lot of time you won't even get started. You won't even go do anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's kind of why they got me like I have a manager essentially. Right. So that's why they got me on the five concept plan essentially. Right. Which is what they're going to start putting a lot of filmmakers on, you know, it's going to be a lot of the, or, or screenwriters or visual effects people. Yeah. They're going to put, you know, they're going to put them on that plan because basically that is, um, right now that's one of the best paths into becoming a filmmaker in Hollywood. Right. Unless you go off and make a feature or, or something like that. But you know, because the industry's changed so much, you know, making a feature like, you know, we always hear about Tarantino and Kevin Smith and stuff, but most people make their feature and it's, it doesn't work, you know? Yeah. Someone's excited. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so like the thing is, is that they, you spend a lot of money on this feature and then you can't make another. Yeah. The nice thing about a proof of concept is you don't spend that much money on it and you can make a bunch of them. So your first one doesn't work. You learn from that and you go again, but you don't make it because you want to send it out to short film festivals. Cause you, it's not about winning awards and patting yourself on the back and saying, I'm an award-winning filmmaker. Like in the career of filmmaking, that's usually not even that valuable mm-hmm. for the most part. Some people maybe, but if you look at like, I mean, even look at the Oscars, you know, a lot of the times those people who do the short film or they do the short doc, they don't necessarily go on to get the financing to do bigger things. Yeah. Cause it's not really about awards. It's more about an investment and how do we make money out of it? And does it have potential? And do you have potential? Yeah. But I think the awards kind of show you have potential, but they don't necessarily pair you with an idea that does, which a proof kind right. of tries to marry the two. It tries to say, we got a filmmaker with potential or a writer or, or a visual effects guy. And we got a concept. Let's make it bigger and let's just put them together again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In many ways, it's almost like a, a little, it's almost like an incubation process. Totally. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. it is. And it hits on both things at the same time. Instead of just, you, you basically kill two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Because even if you developed a filmmaker, say you had a filmmaker who made a really great short film, their short film won in con, it won in Sundance, whatever. Even if you took them, if you didn't want to make their short film into a feature, all you have is one part. Now you still need to pair them with the other part. What's the chances that you're going to get this great filmmaker and you're going to get a great project? It's even more unlikely, Yeah. right? It's hard enough to get a great project. It's hard enough to get a great filmmaker. So it's much better if they come as a package deal. That's why the proof of concept is really kind of the way of the future for filmmakers. Yeah. Um, especially in the digital age and especially in a time when, you know, and you can go the social media route. That's another way, but like the social media road is precarious to say the least. Yeah. You know what I mean? And who knows, like, like how long are you going to go down that road? And, and if you go down the social media road, say you're this YouTube sensation, are you even making the kind of films or projects you want to be a filmmaker of? Right. I mean, or, you know, which is still, yeah, ultimately like one of the main questions that you, you have to come back down to. Yeah. You know, like you've, if you're not doing shit that you want to make, then what's the point? Right. You know, like there can be, you know, there can be a certain element to which, you know, strategically it might make sense to do something that wasn't necessarily your idea or your concept or something that, you know, it was maybe something that was brought to you, Hmm. but you've always got to like, you've always got to keep way all of that, that in. Cause it's like, are you going to be able to bring the fire, the passion, the, you know, the best of you in a situation like that? Yeah. Are you going to be able to, to fuel it or is it going to be a drag? Is it just going to be something that you're doing to whatever? You know, I think 
Like I've seen films like that where it, you're watching it and you're like, it seems like they weren't even fucking trying, hmm. you know, like there was just no kind of heart. It was just like, all right, well, you know, we got this story. It's all right. I guess let's, uh, I don't know. Let's make it, let's, you know, let's try and make it good. (laughs) You know, and you're just like, and, and, you know, it's a ho-hum attitude and it comes out as a ho-hum movie, you know, which is like one of the, this for me, that's like one of the worst kinds of films. I would rather film just be a giant piece of shit sometimes than a ho-hum, you know, type of thing where you're just like, it wasn't good and it wasn't bad. Like it was just, yeah. yeah, certain parts of it just get mailed in. Like, you know, like, um, you know, the filmmaker who basically goes, I'm going to make this like really great action sequence movie, you know? And it's like, your action sequences are great. No doubt. If you want to be a stunt coordinator, that's good. But like to be a filmmaker, not necessarily, you know what I mean? Because the thing is, is like, I think there's lots of films where people go and they, 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 they put too much value on an element of it that they think's important and not on the real things that matter. Like, you know, the actual intrigue and the actual, like, you know, the story uh, the character and the story and, and, and what's compelling emotionally about it because what's human about it. Right. But then the same, at the same coin, I would just want to point this out on the other side. Then there's the people who only care about story and character and they're, and they don't, they don't think big and they don't think conceptually and they do something with great story and character, but it's a very common story mm. and that doesn't work either. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bit about finding the balance really between, um, what's visually and conceptually interesting and what's, what's character and story interesting and finding a way to bring them all together and, and have some kind of emotional impact on the audience other than, wow, that's really cool looking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because cool looking isn't enough anymore. And I think that's getting proven over and over again. Yeah. You know, and I think the, the movies that do well, they make it cool looking, but they make it also a good movie. And that's why, you know, yeah. I mean, or at least they have enough cool elements of the story and character that you're going through. You're like, I can buy into this, you know? Yeah. Right. And I think that's the thing, right? That's what's going to make a movie. Um, you know, and the other thing too, is like, you know, filmmakers like myself and anyone who's starting out, we always have to consider the fact that whatever we're creating, we don't have a pre-sold franchise and we don't necessarily have, um, you know, I have, I'm connected to some degree, but like we don't necessarily have uh, family in the industry or people who can push us through a door that we might not otherwise be able to get through. I think it's awesome if someone has that and I, and I would never hold them against, hold it against them if they used it. But I don't necessarily have those types of connections. I don't necessarily have people who can push me through the, all the doors I want to go through. So in certain ways I have to figure out how I'm going to be creative enough to help myself and help other people push me through those doors because there's definitely people who want to push me through those doors, but they need something to show for me as well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I need something to show for myself. And so, you know, I don't think you should ever complain about the industry and be like, Oh, it's not fair. You know, other people are connected and I'm not like, who cares? You are where you are. You want it or not. You know what I mean? Cause otherwise, if you just take that attitude of like, Oh, I wasn't born in Hollywood and I don't have the Hollywood family and I don't have connections. I mean, if you take that, like, this isn't like, this isn't your industry. Cause then you're always going to be a victim to that. Yeah. You got to look at it and go, okay, well I don't have these things. How do I get them? What, what do I need to do? What's the bridge that I need? Because, 
you know, I think if you have a good enough project and you have enough passion, enough creativity and enough persistence and consistency to keep developing, you eventually, you know, if you stay on it and you're, and you're not going to just let yourself get in your own way that you'll eventually find a path through, you know what I mean? And if you don't, you don't, but like, at least you went after it. At least you tried, you know what I mean? Cause I don't want to look back in my film career and be like, well, I just never gave it a go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I want to be able to at least look back and say, well, I gave it a go. And I mean, not everybody's going to succeed. I mean, I think that, you know, not everybody's going to become a big deal. Not everybody's going to break down the doors of Hollywood and, and get to make big shows. But I think that, uh, you know, part of the adventure is trying, not just getting there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, it's like, and, and ultimately like if you're, if you're doing what you're doing just to be able to create at a certain caliber, mm-hmm. I mean, or at a certain, only within a certain level, then it's like, well, like, I don't know, like if you're filmic, then, then make films. Like it doesn't matter what kind of films you make, like just make shit that you like, that you care about. Right. Find a way, you know, like it, it's, it, yeah, this whole thing, like we, we come, we keep on coming up against this thing, like constantly about, you know, doing, doing your, your art, creating your art for, you know, better reasons than, you know, the thing you want it to get you. Right. You know, fame and fortune and, you know, all that kind of crap. Right. And it can be, it can be the same way for, you know, like it's great to have a direction and intention. It's like, yeah, you want to like, you want to helm like a $200 million movie one day. That's a great thing to aspire to. Realistically, that's not going to happen right now. Hmm. You know, there's not too many people that they, you know, studios hand the keys to for things like that. Right. Uh, well, let alone, and, not even a studio, let alone a, you know, a, a, a successful independent producer, Yeah, you know, who, you know, does a lot of like smaller productions, you know, yeah. in the, in the like, you know, 2 million to $15 million range. Right. Cause like studios, I mean, that's like, like, that's like the major leagues, you know, like, yeah. you, like, like I'm not even, I'm not even playing in the major leagues right now. I'm playing in like the you know, I'm playing in like semi-pro, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? But it, like, farm league or something. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, it is the farm league. It really is. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, I think there's always another door to get through. There's always another higher place to get to. I mean, you know, you're, you're at the place that I'm at now and then there's another door, you know, now you're making bigger projects with bigger names. And then, you know, eventually you're working with bigger people, then you're working with studios and then you're working with studios and then it's about awards. And that's about, you know, is it a blockbuster or is it a word film and how much money did it make or how many words did it win and blah, 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 blah. And like, there's always going to be another door to get through. I think if you're, if you do that, you buy into the rat race of this industry, you chase that your whole life, you're unhappy your whole life until maybe the glimmer of hope, you finally get to some place you think you're supposed to be at, which by the way, you'll, if you do that, it's like scientifically proven that you will move the goalposts on yourself. Like what someone said they wanted when they were younger, usually they will, when they achieve it, they just want something further. You know what I mean? We just keep moving the goalposts. So you're never happy. So you've got to enjoy the process of wherever you are, in yeah. the industry or in whatever industry you're in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was just listening to this, uh, this other podcast recently 
and they were getting into this conversation about, uh, it was a very philosophical conversation, and it was like they were talking about this one philosopher who said, it's like a very pessimistic philosopher, but basically said that, like, you know, uh, that human beings are caught in this dilemma, basically, between depression and melancholy. Hmm. So essentially, it's like depression is um, not being able to have what you want. You can't have what you want. And melancholy comes from getting what you want Hmm. and being bored with it. Right. And being bored. Right. So it's like this play between like this, this boredom and like this whatever. And it's, and and it is a very pessimistic way of looking at it, but it does. um, And I can see how a lot of people would get caught in that trap. Right. I've since come across like other philosophers who've like acknowledged that that thing exists, but you know, the idea around it is that it's like, well, yeah, like the idea is that you don't become attached to these things that you, that you want so much. And then you begin to act more so for its own sake. Hmm. Right. And, and because it's within that process and even this podcast, they're talking about it, that it's actually, it's part of the struggle that we, we actually enjoy the struggle there's a part of us that actually really deeply craves it and desires it. Mm. Um, and so it's learning to embrace that, that thing in the middle, right. As opposed to it's like, there's the object of desire, right. The object of desire is like creates all of these issues. Um, but yeah, like learning to enjoy kind of the struggle or, and, and in many ways I can see how that's so, it's so true because it's like when I'm, you know, when I've been sitting down to like work on music or, or writing, you know, there are times you're sitting there and you're like, and you're almost like straining. Like you're kind of like, there are times when it's going effortlessly, but there's times when it's not all just out laid out in front of you. Hmm. You know, like it's not all just like, there you go. There are times when you've got to dig for it. You know, you've got to search it. You've got to explore it, but that's kind of, part of what makes it joyful, Hmm. you know, because if it was all just like easy, then what would the point be? Yeah. You know, like all easy, we would just look for something more difficult. Yeah. Like we would get bored of it. We'd, we'd, we'd give up. Right. right? We just let it go. Um, I was interesting in this podcast, they'd mentioned, they brought up like this old episode of the twilight zone or something when this guy breaks into this rich man's house or something or whatever, tries to rob this rich guy and he takes him to his house. And he's like, Oh no, it's yours. And this guy just basically gives him everything. He's like, yeah, have the house, have like, have everything. And then the guy goes to the casino, he takes the casino and he's just winning at the casino all the time. Right? Like he just keeps on getting everything that he wants. And, uh, and then there was some, like by the end of it, the guy's just like, he's losing his mind because there's no, there's no resistance. Mm. There's nothing to come up against, right? Like, it's just like, and, and he realizes that all of these things that he wants is hell. Like he discovers that all the shit that he thought was going to make his life better was like, no, like, here's what would happen if you just had everything. Right. Right. It would just well, that's become interesting. Yeah, yeah. It would just become so dull. Everything would become so dull, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think like, I think it would feel good at first and then it would probably 
it would probably start to become exactly because we need the, we need that resistance in order to, to appreciate getting the thing or to, to, yeah, we need that, that juxtaposition. It's interesting why we fight that so much, you know, like why, you know, why there's this desire to want everything to be easy and to be given stuff. And like, I mean, is it because we are just not aware or is it because we're buying into something? Like, why do we do that? Like, that's what makes me curious is like, cause I mean, I think I, I, you know, I think like, it's interesting with struggle because it's like, you know, we want to do these, want to do these things, but if they're, if they're, if they were all just easy to do, you know, and everybody just did them, they wouldn't be special anymore. I mean, there's this other thing too, about like, if going about all this was really easy and everybody just did it, no one would care anymore. Right. And so there's this thing I think we're after, which is like, well, I want to do something that I did that was, but I was the odd one who won when everyone else didn't. And that's really more what it's about than the actual doing of the thing. You know, where it's like, um, I think like when, like you think about actors going up for a role, right? They don't necessarily, uh, at least in my experience conversations, they don't necessarily like the struggle. They like the fact that they got the role. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like, the thing is this, well, what if everybody got the role? you know, everybody did it. Like then if you ever, like in a way, like if you talked about getting the role, like whatever, yeah, everybody got the role. Like, you know, great. You got it. You know, it'd be weird if you didn't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's this kind of like, I think the thing is, is that we're not always clear about why we're doing stuff. And this I think can create a real confusion around doing what you love because if you take a lot of like the rewards and all this stuff off the table and they don't matter anymore, it would be interesting to see what people would do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I think that we, we, people can say, well, I love acting or I love making music or I love painting. But like, if you, if you took away certain elements of it, would you even care about those other things? And I think like, really like when, when a lot of these things, what they point out to is really like a deficiency or a lacking or a personal thing that isn't being completed. That shouldn't be being tried to be solved through your art. Like it should be solved in your own personal life because if you're happy and content with yourself, you know, and you like doing what you're doing and it doesn't necessarily matter where it gets you or what it does, then you'd be more purely doing the thing. And I think that's like a very idealistic way to do whatever you're doing. And then from that place, if you're really doing what you love, you can start to be strategic about, okay, how am I going to do something that might actually help me pivot to get to do something over here? Like I had this realization, right? Because this year I've been slowly walking away from screenwriting. I've still been kind of taking jobs and doing the thing because, you know, I'm, I'm, transferring more, as I say, into filmmaking, I'm going to go down that road more. But I had this realization that I really love writing. Like after I wrote that last script, Love Lost, I was like, wow, I love writing. And I thought, you know, I don't write to make money. I make money to write. And I don't really make films to make money. I I want to make money. I want to get money so I can make more films. And so that distinction and that turn Mm -hmm. has really helped me because it's, 
it's separating the thing. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I like getting paid for writing a script, but the thing is, is that it's important. I remember that I'm not writing the script to get paid. Yeah. I'm writing the script. I would write the script regardless. The thing is, if, if money was taken off the table, if I didn't need money, if all my needs were taken care of, I could travel when I wanted, go where I wanted, do what I wanted, eat what I wanted, all of that stuff. I would probably still write scripts and make movies. Yeah. The thing is, is that the, the only thing that stops me from writing more scripts and making more movies and really traveling more is just having the means to do it. Yeah. So, so I look at it and like, it's what an interesting thing. I got to always remember that I do this thing, not to get somewhere, but I do yeah. this thing cause I actually love it. And that's been an important distinction for me moving forward as, you know, a professional yeah. or, or whatever in, in the, in this industry. In yeah. many ways, it's like, I think it's really about finding a challenge that you love hmm. something that continues to just challenge you, but it's a challenge that you really, truly enjoy because the challenge you don't enjoy is fucking is like, why are you doing it? Right. You know, but a challenge you do enjoy, you know, like now that's something, mm-hmm. that's something to like, to go towards in your life. It's like that, especially and I think that's why so many people are drawn to the creative process. Um, I'll include entrepreneurs in this as well, because that's a very creative process as well, you know, creating businesses and you, and you see lots of entrepreneurs who like, they, you know, they, you know, they get their business to a certain point, you know, and then suddenly it's like, okay, well, now we've got to take it to this next level mm. and this next level and this next level. And they're excited to do it. Mm. They're excited to take it to this next level to see where you can push it. And I think for artists, like we just, we get into what we do because it's everything is, every new thing is different. Mm. Everything presents a new challenge. Even though you've kind of done this thing so many times before, everything is still different. There's still something new to come up against something new to overcome. And that sort of journey into doing that. And again, when you don't take it too seriously as well, right. And you take it a a little bit more lightly, Hmm. you know, not, not trying to ignore that there's challenges or that you are challenged by certain things, but to, to be able to embrace those and be like, okay, so what are we going to do here? What are we going to do now? You know, and to be excited by that prospect of what are we going to do? Because it, man, it makes it like, it makes it so great. I mean, I remember doing from like the, uh, yeah, from just doing this recording and stuff, you know, you're doing, cause what you're doing, it's like, it's, so, it's a lot like film that you're doing take after take after take after take. It's like, all right. Like, and as soon as you finish doing one take, it's like, let's do another. Right. All right. Cause it's like, you might have a better one in you, <laughs> you know, like you might be able to knock it out a little bit better. And then you do different, way. like in film, you might, you might have a scene, but you might do different takes of different parts of the scene. Yeah. And just like in, in music from what I understand, you're doing, you know, you're doing takes of different parts of the song. You're not playing yeah. the whole song through every time. No. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, and it, uh, and it's a challenge, you know, and sometimes it's like, no, you didn't get it. You didn't quite get it. You didn't quite get it. But then like something happens and something like you just kind of get it. And this, you know, this thing that you've been on for so many takes and you finally, you just like nailed it and it just feels so good, mm. but you don't get that feeling without having gone through the whole process. The problem is that we just like, we're so resistant to that process. We think there's something wrong with that process. Mm. We think we're just supposed to get it, not realizing that it's just like, no, the, that thing that you're going through is the thing, right? That's the thing. 
for you to learn to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but we're so resistant to it, right? You know, I like this, uh, this term you used earlier, uh, the incubator, you know, like oh, yeah, yeah. The, the whole, like, I mean, I think about it, like being an artist, it's, it's kind of like that. I mean, you know, you kind of want to set up your environment so that you can, that you can grow into it and evolve into it. And I think the thing is, is that, you know, I don't think we should, I think it's the confusion of our society, but I don't think we should ever want to get somewhere until we've actually grown to be in a place where we're ready to get there. But I think like in our culture and our society, we're kind of, I think we're sold shortcuts. We're sold that, oh, well you can just skip all these steps and just get here. But like, it doesn't have to necessarily take a long time, but I think we have to grow into where we want to go and not try and go there and then think once we get there, then we'll grow. I don't think it works that way. I think you grow first and then you outgrow where you are. And that's why you get to where you want to be. Mm, and I think when you take shortcuts and you go somewhere before you've grown there, that's where you end up having people like, you know, basically self-destruct and, and, you know, get in trouble because I think what happens is you just have to keep outgrowing where you're at. Yeah. And, and that takes, you know, discipline and persistence and work and, and thinking smart and learning to also do your process in a way a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say too, there is, I I'd say that there's also though, there can be another side of that spectrum where it's just like you're in over your head, Mm. which can be a good place to be in too. I mean, uh, it's a bad place to be if you're in it for the wrong reasons, Mm. right? If you're in it for the wrong reasons, you're probably going to drown. Right. Because you're like, no, this is bullshit. You know, like, and (laughs) you're out. Um, but if you really do care and you discover that you're in o- over your head, you, you learn to grow up quick. Right. And well, you I can, think, I so think you can break, you can, you can break out. That's kind of how I felt in many ways. I'm like, I'm in over my head. I with, think naturally you're always a little over your head until you outgrow it. And then you end up in a new place over your head again. Like I think of it like, um, like a bubble inside of a bubble inside of a bubble. Like you're in one bubble and you fill up that bubble and then you outgrow that bubble, that bubble pops. And all of a sudden you realize, Oh, I'm in this next bubble. And then you got to grow into that bubble and that bubble pops and then that pops and you realize there's another one and you keep getting bigger. Right. And I think like, um, we're, we're always, we always have a place to grow. Like wherever we are is always a little bit beyond us, but I don't think that should, that we should look at that as a negative. We should just look at this. Okay well, how do I got to grow? Because if you took like a super green filmmaker, actor, writer, threw them in the middle of Hollywood with all the big sharks and all the big people, you know, in the deep blue sea of Hollywood, right? Yeah. You get eaten alive. I mean, do you know the chances of you coming out of that? Like, you know, and totally not knowing what you're doing, not having any guidance or awareness, you get chewed up and spit out. And I think it happens to some people because I think some people try to take shortcuts to get into that industry. And I, you know, and I think there's ugly stories about that happening. You know what I mean? But like, I think what happens for people is who are trying to naturally, who could naturally grow into it. They hit a certain point where they make they make it wrong that they haven't grown to the point where they could burst their bubble and and move somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think also sometimes, you know, the other thing too, is at a certain point for growth, fortune favors the bold. There has to be a certain point where you got to be willing to put yourself out there and you can't, 
expect any handouts. Like, you know, if you're an actor, you know, drive down to LA, go hang out with some people, get some people to introduce you. If you don't know any people who can introduce you, find some connections of people before you even go down that could introduce you so you can get connected. Yeah. I mean, I went down to LA and I went and lived down there for a little while. I drove down there on my own. I lived in a shitty motel on Hollywood Boulevard for the first two weeks alone, not this big city, not knowing what I was doing. My agent set up some appointments for me with managers and agents, things like that. And I hustled and I got to know people. And then, you know, within a few weeks of being there, you know, and just being like super lonely and not knowing anybody, all of a sudden I was getting invited to parties in the the Hollywood Hills and Beverly Hills going out, you know, just doing stuff that I was like, this is the dream, you know, did it necessarily get me anywhere in my film career, uh, monumentally career wise? Well, not necessarily, but it gave me so much experience, so many connections, so much know-how, not necessarily in an objective sense, but in a subjective way, it it was extraordinarily valuable. Yeah. And the people I met and the experiences I got were profound. And like, um, you know, I would say I would attribute a lot of that journey to what's helped me to get where I am now, because I'm it, what, the biggest thing it taught me was about how the business of Hollywood and the film industry works, Yeah, which I never understood, you know, being in Vancouver, um, you know, which I love this little town for, you know, Hollywood North and all that. It's, it's a small pond, like, and it's a small, and it's not an insult to anybody because this is how we function over here, Yeah, but we're not the big money business it doesn't quite work the same. And we're a facilitator. We're not really, um, we're not the people that are right now currently creating the work. When yeah. you go down there, like I walked into people's offices and I could like, I, I don't know how to explain it. I could see money signs going off in their eyes when they saw me coming in. Like they're looking at you going, okay, if you're here, you might be my next big thing. And then the way you get treated and, and the way they deal with you and the, and like, you know, it's just different. And so I got that experience and I went, wow, like, like you, I really got treated like I was, you know, this real special thing that could make people a lot of money. And I got to see that I'm like, that's interesting because part of that dynamic makes you think a little bit differently. And, and I could see why, you know, the, the, and I met lots of like Chris Evans was in my acting class. I mean, that guy's fucking huge now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is like, the, the way you're thinking when you get, and he wasn't even that big at that point. Right. Yeah. But he was, he was moving up. But the thing was, and that's Hollywood standards, right? Like for us, he's huge in Vancouver, but like in Hollywood, he was a small fish still at the time. But the thing is, is like, you know, if you, it's the way you're thinking, which it changed my mind about how to think about this industry. So my point of sharing this whole story is that if I never took the risk and drove down to LA and used my last dollar to live in a a motel until I could figure out where I'm going to go. And like, I found a place eventually and, and just put myself out there. If I never did that, I never would have had any of those experiences. So the point is, is that we got to take risks in our life. We got to go in there. We got to try it. You got to make the song, make the movie, go to LA, go to New York, you know, travel the world, yeah. whatever it is you got to do. You got to put yourself out there at some yeah. point because you know, in the incubator, you can only grow so much. Eventually you got to get out in the world yeah. and you got to go and you got to hustle your shit and you got to get out there and you got to get face to face 
And, you, you know, when we went down to AFM, yeah. walk in, just knock on the door. Can we pitch our film to you? You know, can we do that? Like, you got to go and do it. Because if yeah. you don't do it, you know, like, fortune really does favor the bold. And that's where it comes down, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, like, yeah, and it's like, and it's, you care about your project. Of sure. course you care about your project, you know? But, like, don't get too serious about it, you know? Like, again, I think this is the whole thing because you get too serious about it. You're never going to be able to go out there with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like love, have the passion. There's no reason why you, why you don't have to have the passion for it. But you know, like when you make it too precious, you, you, you take it all far too seriously and it becomes an unenjoyable struggle. Mm. You know, it becomes like you, you're going to turn the thing that you love into something that you hate, hmm. you know, and there's no reason why you actually have to do that. Right. You know, it's like go through, yeah, it might be uncomfortable going knocking these doors, but like get out, you know, one of the things like, especially like something like pitching, hmm. right? Like, um, cause I've pitched to a few people before and it's like, and it's like, oh, like it just like, it, it got me so uncomfortable. Like, what am I going to say? How am I going to do this? And yeah, there's certainly like, there's tips like, you know, and you, it's not hard to necessarily look at, at how to do a pitch. Yeah. You know, you can find all kinds of articles, just Google how to, how to do a pitch. Right. And you'll find, you know, read a bunch of them, find the most common things and be like, okay, (laughs) but good crash course. Yeah. But the thing is, is that what you really need to sell people on is your passion. Yeah. You know, it's like, why do you care about this? Like, that's the biggest thing that's going to sell what you're doing. Why the fuck do you care about this? Right. You know, like you can, you can check all of the boxes, you know, and again, same thing with, with any, any sort of art form, you can technically check all of the boxes and come up with something that's really stale. Hmm. Same thing. It's like, it's like sell people on the passion of it. Sell people on like why you care. Hmm. Why do you care about this? Cause if you don't know why you care about it, how can you expect anybody else to care about it? Sure. And right. the other thing too is like, I would say, cause I, I pitched a lot now. I mean, I would say being a writer, you pitch, that's mostly what you do. You yeah. just pitch and you pitch and you pitch and you throw ideas out and you, you know, and you get feedback constantly and you, and you figure it out and you get better all the time. And the thing is, is, you know, um, it, it is, you're right. It's about passion. It's about believing in your idea. And it's also about believing in your idea and, and, and being totally stonewalled and hearing that your idea is not going to work. And this is why it's not going to work and like whatever. And it's common. And you're like, okay. And, and you just literally got to just reset and go, okay, well, I got this other idea. What about this one? You know, the thing is, is I think like as a writer, one thing I can say as a creative is that a lot of the time, I think all my ideas are great, Mm. but they aren't. I know that though. Like I've done this enough where I know a lot of my ideas aren't great. And so when, you know, you, when you pitch enough, you, you're not like so attached to your idea. That's what makes pitching easy because, you know, you, you know, someone kind of stonewalls you. The other thing too, is don't just like, don't just take one person's opinion for it. And the other thing is before I pitch something to say someone, well, not always, but before I pitch something to say someone who's actually going to get it made or not, I might pitch to, you know, you or some friends or something like that. Yeah. Now, I'll just casually say the idea. I'm like, this is the kind of thing I'm thinking of doing. You know, I'll throw it out to some people and I'll kind of hear their response. I'll see their response. And if their response 
is not good. I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. I'll be like, oh, it's not good. You know what I mean? But yeah. if they're like, that sounds fucking awesome. That's cool. I'll be like, that's interesting. Or, you know, or if they, even if they say something like, oh, that really like, you know, like, like that's something, if they have an emotional response, then I know there might be something there. Yeah. But I think like where people get caught up is number one, they're not passionate enough about their idea. And number two is they get too stuck on their idea. And I think people are scared to be passionate about their idea because like, what if I'm so passionate about it and it gets stonewalled and shut down? It's like, so what? You got to be passionate about it. But also if you're talking to someone and they don't like your idea and they and they can give you reasons and they can give you some feedback. Cause the thing is, if you're passionate about it, a lot of the time in my experience, at least if, I think I'm a pretty reasonable guy. So maybe that helps, but people will say, okay, well, you know, this isn't what's working and here's why. Cause there's been a lot of movies like this that have been made recently and blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. I thought it was original. And I go, okay, no problem. And the thing is, is I don't look at it like a defeat. I just look at it as like feedback back to the drawing board. Let's come back. We'll do it again. But the thing is, is that if you get too precious about your idea and you make it like this end all be all, that's a weird position to be in for like a pitchy you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause now you're like, you're like holding someone's like creative life in your hands and you're like, well, I don't really want to tell them that this isn't a great idea. Cause like, it'll crush their spirit cause they're hanging on by like nothing. Yeah. You know, that's not cool. You want someone who's like full of self-esteem, full of confidence. Who's like, who can come and pitch an idea and also hear that their idea is shit and still be like, okay, no problem interesting. Let me, let me consider that, you know, I can go back. Cause the other thing too, is it's not like you won't get invited into the room again. You know what I mean? Yeah. In some cases you won't, but you're, you're very rarely, are you going to get to a position where you're going to be pitching a project? You should have pre-tested it with some other people. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's why I think it's really good for people to also have mentors and people who are like in your corner who, you know, you're not necessarily trying to get anything from them other than good feedback. Yeah. And just advice. I think if you're going and you're saying, I'm going to come up with an idea in my basement suite, you know, as this filmmaker and I think and screenwriter, and I think it's the best idea in the world. I'm not going to tell anybody about it except my mother. My mother thinks it's awesome. And then I'm going to go down to the studios. I'm yeah. going to get a meeting. I'm going to walk in those doors and I haven't pitched to anybody. And now I'm going to pitch to the studio execs and stuff that's a stupid move. Yeah. You should have pitched that to seven friends. You should have pitched that to, to strangers at the coffee shop. You should have pitched that idea a bunch of times. And if you're like, well, I didn't want to do it because I'm scared people are going to steal my idea. You know what? There's so many ideas in Hollywood. Like unless, like, unless you have a pulse on what's actually an interesting idea, like you're going to have to take that risk. That's yeah. just the reality of it. And someone might, it might happen. But if you're really, truly a creative person, you have more great ideas. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know? And so I think like, I think it really comes down to fortune does favor the bold. And in a certain sense, the incubation process is pre-pitching, like doing it, testing it out. You know, like, I think when you and I went down and we pitched the townsfolk, I mean, we threw ourselves up there in front of the audience. That was our pre-pitch. Yeah. You know, we could have pre-pitched even more. We didn't know what we were doing, but I think like, you know, you live and you learn. But you know, the other thing too is I, I think the thing is, is when we went down there, I remember we were like, what, 25 years old or something, go down there, pitch this stuff. You're maybe been 23. I was 25. I think anyway, pitch this stuff and we, we got some feedback. We got some things. We came back. We had a ton of information. It's not like those people aren't going to bring us back in the room. If we walk down there 
you know, this AFM this fall. And we knocked on their door and walked in that room, you know, it's like, got this next film. If we had something that's worth pitching, got this next film, want to pitch, you know, we were down here at 25. You were the guy at the forum, you know, and we pitched in front of you. Didn't know what the hell we were doing. And you know, it's been X amount of years later. Let's, you know, I want to share this new movie I got with you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I've grown a lot. What do you think? You know, but at that time, like there, you know, and that's a growth period, right? So now it's like, I look at it, I go, AFM was an interesting experience for me. I know I'm going off here, but AFM was an interesting experience for me because that, because we went from basically being nobody screenwriters who didn't know what the hell we were doing to, you know, now I'm like getting paid to write screenplays. I mean, there was a growth period. I'm not saying that I've made, I haven't necessarily gone as far as I would like to go yet, but the fact that I even got here to me in certain ways is incredible. Oh yeah. And so I look at it, I go, really, when I say this advice to everyone else, I also, at the same time, I'm thinking, where have I not been more bold? Where have I not taken more risk? Where have I not been putting myself out there so that I could grow faster? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, and that's what I think about right now. But I think for, for me to even have gotten to here, which I'm proud of, I had to put myself out there is the only way, you know? And I mean, like many years after you didn't come down with me to AFM, but I went down there and I pitched alone in those rooms and I knocked on those doors and I talked to people and I learned a shitload. And then, you know, the thing is, this is really interesting. I was down there and I started to meet people and I was getting invited to parties and Gabriel Napora, who was on our show, you know, I met him down there at AFM and now he's like one of my closest friends and one of my biggest mentors. Yeah. And the thing is, is that it's, it's, personality. It's, it's boldness. It's the willingness to put yourself out there. It's a willingness to be real and humble at the same time. And that's, you know, that's what kind of moves things forward. And, you know, and, and the thing is, I think also in this industry, same with music, you're not doing any of it alone. Hmm. You know what I mean? Anyway, that's my big speech about all that. That's like, I, like you just kind of incubating thing. Like I still think of myself, I'm kind of in the incubator right now in certain ways, but every once in a while you kind of got to step out of the incubator and you got to go put yourself out there in the world and, and see if you can handle the real world. Yeah. And then if you get feedback that you're not ready, you go back and you grow and you come back out and you, and you try again, you know? Yeah. Cause it doesn't have to work out the first time. It might, it might be the hundredth time. Yeah. doesn't matter. But it's like, it's also, yeah. And it's, enjoying being in the incubator too. Yes. You know, as opposed to bemoaning the fact that you're not out there doing, doing the thing yet. Right. You know, it's like, enjoy where you are. Enjoy the thing that you're doing now in that incubator. Right. Because if you can't enjoy it in there, then you're not going to enjoy it outside of there. Like there's no reason to think that you will. Right. You know, like there's more reason to think that it's going to be worse out well, it's there just actually. A, it's just a new incubator. Like you just... You know, yeah, I mean, I mean like that's the it's, thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, you're only going to get into a bigger, it's, it's always an incubator. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Like, cause yeah, it's, and I think it, it's really all about embracing the learning process, right? Which is never ending. You know, like it is a never ending process. You will never, ever just, it's funny. I brought this up before, but I have like a new kind of perspective on it. But, you know, Alan Watts has this quote where he says like, he's like, there's never like, you're never going to reach a time in your life and say, ah, yes. And now I've, now I've arrived. Hmm. Like there's like, it doesn't, it's, it's not real. That's right. an illusion. That's, yeah. that doesn't exist. 
you know, it's like you've arrived now, you know, like you, so we're constantly going to be learning. Like there's never going to be a stop Hmm. until the day that we die. There's never going to be a stop. So how do we get and that? Cause that might sound like really horrible to some people, you know, that might sound really awful. It's like, Oh my God, you mean there's never going to be an, to be an end to this shit? Like I'm never, ever going to just get to a place and just be like, Oh, everything's all right now. It's like, no, you're not. You're going to die. <laughs> that's what, like, that's when like, everything's going to end. But oddly <laughs> enough, when you learn to accept that, and this mm-hmm. is like, as most sort of like kind of awesome, profound truths are, it's a bit of a paradox, right? Right. Because the moment that you actually let go of that, and it's like, Oh, okay. So I'm never going to stop learning. I'm never going to stop coming up against challenges. There's never going to like, there's, there's always going to be some element of struggle that I have. So now what? Right now, what do you do? So now you get, you actually just start to get a little bit more clear on what the struggle is that you're involved with. And maybe you actually start learning to enjoy that struggle a little bit more Hmm. and start to learn a little bit more from it, accept it as part of your process. And now suddenly you've not arrived, but there's, there is a new experience to be had in your life that was better than it was before. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that being like present in the moment and seeing this thing that we're in, whatever it is, seeing that as all you really need and, and seeing it as wonderful and incredible is a really, it's a very difficult step to take. Not so much because we're totally unwilling to take it, but because we're so programmed in this culture to believe that we need to get things to be happy, to get somewhere, to complete something, to buy something, to be happy. And we're constantly programmed that. And and that's been programmed into us from a very early age, you know, to get grades, to, to get things, to make our parents happy, to do all this stuff. Yeah. And so we're constantly chasing this, like, you know, this rabbit We're you know, we're constantly chasing this, this, in a sense, this dragon, you know, and trying to capture it. And it's just, first of all, you can't capture it because it doesn't exist, but it looks like it exists. But even if you could get your hands on it and grabbed it, you would find that it was just smoke. It's just smoke and mirrors. It doesn't even exist. And so sometimes I think, you know, like Jim Carrey basically points that out. He's like, I hope you get everything you ever wanted. So you find out it's not what you want. Because basically once he grabbed the dragon and he got it, he was like, it's not real. He realized that. Right. And the thing is, is hopefully we can learn that before we push ourselves to that point where we have to, you know, we have to get, be paid millions or billions of dollars to recognize that right now we are living right now is the moment. And to just crazy corner this a little bit, you know, nice. There is time doesn't actually exist. Time is a, is a made up human construct in, in most, like in, in reality, it's a human construct because basically like the universe is just measuring time by how things spin. So basically we measure time based on where we're spinning. But if we got to the center of it, there would be, there would be no time anymore because there would be no more spin. It would just be right. And the thing is, it's hard for people to to understand that. But 
we, we do a lot based on time and a lot of measurement. And so time is kind of an illusion because we go, well, you know, in, in a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, this is where I want to be. And in, in a sense, time's kind of this wonderful thing because we can kind of see a measurement of progress. Yeah. But the thing is, is that you don't know if you'll be alive 10 years from now. You don't know what's going to happen in 10 years from now. By all accounts, you probably will be. But like right now is, is really the thing. And the thing is, is they say that like all, all goals, all dreams, all marriages, all commitments, everything is just made up of a series of nows. And it's not that it's not that we, uh, don't do or get or, or chase the thing that we're after, but we look at commitment like a chase. Really. The thing is, is that when you commit, you commit once, but then once you commit and right now in this one time, you never have to commit again because every moment from that point on is the same moment as the moment you committed. Time does not change that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is until there's a moment where you say, I will not commit to this anymore. And then from that moment, there is no more commitment. And the thing is, is if you see things, if you see time as like this linear thing where every second is another moment, you, you essentially treat your life like it has to be redone over like a hundred billion million times over. But if you see time as like this thing, that's like right now is the only time that matters. Whatever you do right now is now and forever until it is not now and forever anymore until you decide. And if you, if you saw time that way, you know, commitment and follow through and things become easy because there's this whole thing about, you know, you've heard this a thousand times. You've probably done it yourself. I'll do it tomorrow. Mm. Do it right now. Now is all you have. There is no tomorrow. But the thing is, is we, we function as though there is a tomorrow. It's like, if you want something, you do it right now. It has to be right now. There can be no excuse. Otherwise you don't want it and you will not want it right now. And the thing is, is you can decide some other point if you want it right now, but decision in action has to happen in the moment because time is an elusive. It's, it's, it's a, it's a magic trick because whenever we say tomorrow or later or whatever, we played a magic trick on ourselves Mm. because basically what you said when you say tomorrow is I'm committing to not doing it right now. That's all you're saying. And if we were just, if we just kind of simplified our relationship to time, it wouldn't matter so much where you got Cause you would be like, you know, you want to be a writer right, right now. You want to be an actor act right now, do it right now. You know what I mean? And if you're not doing it right now, you're not doing it at all. Period. There's no, it doesn't matter how much you did it before. It doesn't matter how much you plan to do it after all that matters is right now. And the thing is, is that our life, if we stopped time, right? Right now, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, that's your whole life. Cause there wouldn't, wouldn't matter what you did before. It wouldn't matter what you do after. Cause all there would be was right now. Yeah. So if something's really truthfully important to you, you should be taking every moment you're in and doing exactly what you believe in, in that moment. And the thing is, is that I just think what we do is we play magic trick and we just talk ourselves out of doing that. That's really it. Yeah. It's really that simple. 
But but we like to play this game of, well, I acted for X amount of years, or I painted for X amount of years. It's like, if you want to stop acting today, and you want to start painting today, you want to start doing music today, whatever you want to do, it's right now. And once you stop doing it, you're not doing it anymore. You know? And I think the thing is, is like, it's, it's, sounds like an overly simplistic way to put it. But how many people, how many people out there are saying, I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it, you know, whatever. Um, you know, we're always putting stuff off all the time and we're always putting stuff off. That's arguably the most important to us. I mean, it's because we, we have this very messed up relationship with time, you know, in, in my opinion, we don't see how important right now is. We don't see the value in right now. And the thing is, if, if you like, for example, if you want to be a millionaire, you want to be famous. Well, you're thinking technically, if you say, well, I want to do that. And if you're not happy right now and you feel like you need the money to do it, what you're saying is that I will be happy when, but the thing is, is that if you can't be happy now, chances are you won't be able to be happy then because like the moment you're in now, it, it carries like infinitely through. So people, I know this is so crazy corner because basically people believe, well, once I get the money, then I'll be happy. That's not what happened. What happened was in the moment you're in, you decided to be happy because like, if I said you want a million dollars in a moment, you would be happy. But I said, you're going to die in 10 seconds. Well, you're a multimillionaire or billionaire for 10 seconds. You don't even have time to, to do anything with it. So who cares? The thing is, is that it's all what you make up. It's all what you decide. And the thing is, is that this material world, we, we make our happiness, we make our contentment contingent on it, but it's not really all that matters is what are you doing right now? What, what is this moment right now? That's all that matters for happiness. But we just, it's just a big magic trick. I don't know how to explain it any better. And mm-hmm. I know it sounds super crazy and I'm sure people are like, I don't get it. But try if you can to just go now and then now and then now and then now. And just every time you get depressed or you get off or you get whatever, just be like right in the now. Cause whatever you're worried about, whatever you're concerned about, whatever you're stressed about right now, doesn't matter. That's all experiences that, or, or, or imaginations that occurred either in the past or in the future, which are not real. Yeah. And so if if you poison this moment with a magic trick of being somewhere other than here, you'll, you'll, nothing's going to stop you from doing that until you stop yourself from doing that. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how to explain and that then, any further. And then, I mean, yeah. And then I mean, yeah. the next, well, you know, step you go from there is like, well, okay. So if there's something that is stopping you from doing it right now, well, what's that all about? Right. Like, what is that really all about? You know, and it's like, cause it's, it's important that you also start, you know, because it's not like, oh, well, you're, you, you know, you say you want to do this, but you know, you said you're going to do it tomorrow. I don't think that means that you don't actually really care about it and that you're not actually really passionate about it. I I think that it just means that you have some beliefs around it and some ideas around it that, that are stopping you from, from, from taking action. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's important because yeah, I don't want people to think it's like, Oh, you just don't care. You know, if you're not doing it now, you just don't care. Um, I don't think that's the case. 
Um, sometimes it can, like we've been talking about, it can be a case like maybe you just care a little bit too much. Hmm. It can mean like you care a little bit too much about this thing that you've made it so, like you've, you've made it the world and you're carrying it on your shoulders now. So you're putting it off because you, you know, you're putting it off because it's just too big. Yeah. It's just too big to take on. Um, so it's an important, I think it's a different conversation that for another day, but you know, start to ask like, well, what is that all about? What, what is that thing? And, and start bringing these things out to the, out to light because the longer they remain in the shadows, the more, the more your art, the more your creativity, the more things you, you want to do, the things that you even enjoy doing, you're going to just keep putting them off. Yeah. And I think, you know, a a good, and we all do it. We all do it. We all do it. Oh yeah. Too much. I think a good equalizer is, um, to use just the death measurement. And what I mean by (laughs) is, so, um, whatever, so dramatic today, no, but seriously, like whatever it is that you want to do, whatever the thing is, is let's just say that you talk to the doctor and the doctor says, look, uh, you got six years left to live. So, um, you know, I suggest you go home, write out what you want to do for these next six years for your life. Cause it's only six years and it might be less, but you'll have about six probably. So you go, okay, great. You go home. You start planning it all out. And the doctor says, I want you to come back, you know, and tomorrow and we'll talk, whatever. So you do this it says doctor comes back. You know what? Doctor says our computer's totally messed up. I'm so sorry. It's not six years. It's six months. You have six months left to live. Looks at your plan. You know, you want to readjust. Can you do what you want to do? So then you take your six months and then, then you go, okay, six weeks, six days, right? When you start taking this plan, right? You take a six year plan, you compress it down to six months, compress it down to six weeks, down to six days, you'll see it alter. And what will happen is you'll start to cut shit out. What will happen is you won't be able to do a lot of things that you thought you were going to do. And the point of this exercise is essentially to get you down to the point where you figure out what is actually the most important, who is actually the most important. And so, you know, if you had six days left to live, the immediacy and the way that you would do your life would, would be so much different than the way you would at like the six years left. And even six years is like a measurement that seems pretty extreme, mm-hmm. right? So the thing is, is like, cause people basically have 60, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But so the thing is, is that if you bring it down, like death is a wonderful tool that we can use as human beings, because what it does is it actually tricks us out of the, uh, out of the confusion of time. Cause because we think we have so many tomorrows, we use tomorrows like they're nothing. Yeah. But if you, if you don't have many tomorrows, you just do things. Now you go, no, there is no time to wait. We do this now. Like, like, you know, we book the ticket today. We make the film. Now we write the script today. I I do the painting right now. I talk to this person now. And the thing is, is that, um, if, if you just try this exercise out, I think what ends up happening and, you know, I've been working with it more and more, but I think what ends up happening is there is a certain kind of motivation and aliveness that comes out of it. And I know it sounds super serious, but it actually makes my life more invigorating. It makes it more fun. Yeah. Cause now everything well, becomes kind of precious. No, it can, it can definitely in, jolt in you in the reverse stasis. way. Cause like things are so precious. We don't do them. What we need them to be is we need time to be so precious. We want to do them right now. Yeah. You know, it's different. 
So, I don't know. That's that's my crazy corner. <laughs> nice. It was a good one. It was yeah. a good crazy All corner. Right. How, how's this beer, my man? It's great. Yeah. yeah. I've been I've been enjoying it. It's nice and, um, you know, witty. <laughs> nice and witty. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So it is a wit bear. We've had this one on, I'm almost certain, before. Okay. And I'm pretty sure I got it because I really like the name. But when I picked it up, I only saw it was a wheat bear. I didn't actually see the name until I got it home. And I was like, oh, I think I bought this one before. Yeah. But last time we had it was draft. So this time we had it from the can. Mm. So I don't know if that makes much of a difference, but whatever. Um, this one here is called Dimwit from Parkside Brewery. Do you ever remember us having that one? I don't remember us having that one. I don't know, but I, I don't was, know if we have. Maybe we haven't. I always like the name though, because I, I think I had. Maybe I just had this before there, but I always thought that there was a funny name, Dimwit. I don't for think, wheat bear. I don't think know? we've had this one on the show. Yeah, well, I think this this is a new one. It's a nice, refreshing wheat beer. It's uh, you know, it's um, from Parkside Brewery. Just four point eight percent alky. Pretty tasty. Figured it'd be a good summer beer. Nice well, uh, flashy it, can. It definitely has been a good summer beer. Yeah. Beautiful. So, yeah. If you want, you can top yourself up with some more. Oh, yeah. We'll give a little, little top up. Yeah. Bam. Um, so yeah. So, uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts, my man? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's been, it's been kind of a groovy chat here. Um, we've gotten into a lot of good stuff you know, right into our, into our wheelhouse of conversation that we like to get into here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know (laughs) if I have, I, I, there's nothing that's just popping into my head here as, you know, something to get into. I mean, like what have we been really sort of like what, what's been kind of the unifying thing to this conversation? Well, in many ways, like, I mean, I would say like, there's something about like, I mean, for me, there's something about this whole incubator thing, like that there's a, there's a part of growth that we need to see as necessary and enjoy. And there's a part of going out and being bold and testing yourself in the world. And, you know, and I think the thing is, is that if if you don't see life as kind of a a growth thing where, you know, there's a large part of it where you're going to kind of be in, you know, in our analogy, kind of in the incubator of life where you're just growing, you're, you're improving, you're learning. And I think that's most of it. Um, and then there's going to be your moments where you go, okay, I'm going to go out in the world and I'm going to try and do something. And I think that you take your growth and you do the best you can. And you've got to understand that, you know, sometimes you're going to bite off more than you can chew and you're going to get into scenarios where you're going to be in over your head. And, you know, and the thing is, is to not look at that as a, as a bad thing, but to look at that as a test. And sometimes you're going to be, you're going to do stuff and you're like, Whoa, I was way ahead than I thought. And it's just so easy for you. Yeah. And I think that if it's so easy for you and you just win, I don't think you should take that either. And like, and like, and pat yourself on the back too hard and say like, I'm so great. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that like, you look at it as like, okay, well, if I'm so good at this and this was easy for me, what could I do? You know, what could I do where it would test me where I might, you know, find a failure point. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, it's for me, it's kind of, this conversation has been a lot about, you know, 
enjoying the journey of growing as much as you enjoy the journey of testing yourself out in the world and going out there and trying some things. Because I mean, I think there's always going to be things that we need to grow into. I think that's just a part of life. Um, and I think there's always going to be things that are going to test us at some point that are a little bigger than we know we're capable of. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think, um, I don't necessarily think it matters if you, if you win or lose at these things, you test yourself. I don't think that's really the the ultimate calibration to know where you're at. I think it's, it's partly to do that. That's just feedback. But the fact that you're willing to put yourself out there, because I think, I think too many people don't put themselves out there and they don't understand also that where they are is in a growth period and that there's always time to be growing. There's always time to be learning. I mean, if you're like not sure what to do and you don't know how to move yourself forward, go grab a book or go watch a webinar or go watch an online class or sign up, you know, find a mentor, do something, but like, don't, don't make excuses for tomorrow you know, do it right now and like see growth as this moment to moment thing you're always in and you're always doing and just learn to like enjoy, you know, growing and being and doing life. And when you're out there, you know, and I can say this, like, you know, I was 23 years old and I, I drove down there to LA on my own and my friend had canceled, like he was supposed to come with me. And I was in this motel, uh, this shitty little motel on Hollywood Boulevard and is a big city. And, you know, and I didn't know anybody really. Like I didn't know, I didn't have a single friend at least. And I was down in the city and I didn't know what I was doing. And I was, I was scared and I was kind of alone and I didn't know where to go or what to do or whatever. And, um, I felt way, way over my head walking into some, like walking into some of the biggest agencies in in LA, the top fives, you know, going in there and meeting with people and like, I don't know what the hell is going on or what I'm doing. And it's exciting at the same time. But I think the thing is, is like, you know, I, I think that was one of the best experiences of my life going down there and just living down there and meeting people and interacting and going to some of those parties and experiencing. And the thing is, is like, did it necessarily get my career where I had hoped it would? No, but it was absolutely worth it. And I think that, you know, that's the kind of thing that you got to be willing to do. And also, you know, I met a lot of people down there in LA when I was like 23, a lot of people who drove across all States in America to come there. And, and a lot of people who were living there who like had broken dreams and they were like, you know, I came out here to be an actor and they like literally tried it for a year or two years and didn't work out for them. And they just quit. And then they just lived there doing something else. And, you know, there's just this heartbreak I could feel in so many people. And I thought, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get rich quick on anything, if you're trying to do things like immediately, like to me, when I, when I met a lot of those people, they didn't have that mindset of like, okay, I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn and I'm going to figure this out. They had this, well, it didn't work out for me. So I'm just going to walk away. And I think that, you know, if you ever want to take on anything big, you got to look at it as a growth thing. You got to look at it as like, okay, I'm going to ju- like, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the kid that's in the Midwest in, you know, or whatever, somewhere in the middle of America right now. And they, and their parents don't think they should be an actor and they think it's a stupid risk. And they're thinking of driving down to LA and going or flying over there and doing their thing. Go down there and know you're going to be totally in over your head that you're going to look like a total amateur at first. And you're going to be this 
dumb kid from the middle of America who doesn't know what the hell he's doing and, and go in there and, and just expect that you're going to meet it. You know what I mean? You're going to be, you're going to be barely trying to figure out how you're going to do it. And you're just going to meet it. You're going to go to class and you're going to see, um, you know, and, and you find the best actor in that class you know, and you match their standard. You know what I mean? You find the best people that you can meet in the industry and you meet their standard. Do not settle in with all the other people that are in the get rich quick thing. And you just live up to their standard and you grow. And the thing is, is that you might not get the results right away, but if you start matching yourself with people who are taking this seriously, who have that mindset and they are out there, they will respect that about you and they will invite you to the places that you need to go. You, they will open the doors for you. And I, and I think that, you know, for me, a lot of my career, I've always felt a little over my head. I've always felt a little bit like everybody, like the people I hang out with, they just, they know something I don't, they're a little farther ahead. But the thing is, is I always try to reach, you know, I always try to, and, and I, and I'm respectful. And so I think yeah. that's the thing you got to do. And you don't have to be the best. And the thing is, is I think if you go down this road, you know, one day you'll look back and you'll be like, holy shit, I'm the best at something compared to where I was, like compared to the old group I hung out with. And you know what? You might get lucky enough where you start meeting people that are going to grow with you. And yeah. that's a wonderful thing, you know? Well, you know, I've heard it's like, don't try to be better than somebody else. Try and be better than you were before. Exactly. You know, exactly. and that's, and that's attainable. That's, I mean, that's such great advice, you know, cause it's really all about, um, learning, listening and throwing yourself in, into something, mm-hmm. you know, like really giving yourself an experience of something because, you know, there could be people who you see as being further ahead and maybe in many ways. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Objectively, uh, they certainly are, but what you can also end up coming away with is that, you know, you realize that, Cause you said before, it's like, Oh, you could like actually discover that you're actually further along right. than you thought. Or uh, you could also discover that you're not quite as far as behind as you thought either. Sure. You know, and as another way of kind of looking at it. Right. And you go, Oh, well actually I'm not that far behind from all of this stuff. Like this is actually within reach, you know? And, and that's, but you only get that experience from really throwing yourself into it, putting yourself out there. As you said, mm-hmm. you know, like there's no, you know, there's no points for really for standing in the wings. No. Right. Fortune favors the bull. Yeah. You know, go out there and, and, and do your life and do it now and, you know, and see, and you know what the thing is, is like, you can always go back. Here's the thing. You can always go back. It's a great thing to consider because you know what? A lot of the time when you get somewhere, you go, I'm never going back. You know what I mean? But at first you need to go out there to see if you would even want to go back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of the stuff, you know, it's like you're in a, you're in a crappy relationship. Be willing to leave the relationship. You know what? They don't want to take you back. You know, think about it like this. You get away from something. If it's not good and you're not where you want to be and you're not willing to go out and walk alone and go try life out. The thing is, is that you might realize that when you go out, you might say, ah, oh, you know what? I made a mistake. But the thing is, is that you will have gone out and you will have known. And like the thing about life is that if you keep playing it safe and you keep playing it secure, 
you're going to get small, mediocre things out of life. Mm-hmm. That's just how it's going to go. And if you're okay with settling for small, mediocre things and, and that's okay for you, then go ahead, play it safe and secure your whole life. Some people do it and they like it. That's great. If you're not someone like that and you know, you're not someone like that and you don't want safe, small, mediocre things, you got to go out there. And the thing is, is that the life experience that you gain, the, the person you become, the way you grow will, will alter the way in which you can do the world now. Because if you stay in your small little town and you never leave it and you do, and you do all those little things and you never explore, you never go to another country, you never try anything. You're never really going to know. And the thing is, is like, and read the book, the alchemist. (laughs) That's a good book for people to read too, you know, but Mm. the thing is, is part of it is you got to go on the journey. You just got to go on the journey of your life. And I don't know what, what calls your heart, but, but listen to your heart, you know, have enough courage to go and, and do that. And I mean, uh, you know, and if, if you go down the road and you realize that you're doing something and it's not working, then you can pivot and go some other way. Don't be scared. Like, don't be so headstrong on the fact that you have to go this way. Like, you know, the way I started in the film industry isn't necessarily where I want to go in the film industry anymore, but I still like the film industry. I still like doing things in film, but the reasons I'm doing it for and the way I'm doing it are different. But I think that's part of maturity too. You grow up and you start to realize like, oh, like maybe I was motivated more by, you know, fortune and fame in the beginning. Now I just look at fortune and fame. I don't even, I'm not motivated for those things. I just look at those things as those would be great tools to have to help me do more of what I want to do. But you know, I've pivoted a little bit. And the thing is, I think that's, that's, you got to be honest with yourself as you go out there, you know, because I think when we're young, you know, we might want certain things, but you kind of got to go out there, you know, like you kind of got to go, like if you put yourself in like the mouth of the beast and you see what fame and fortune really looks like, you might realize that, you know, it's not exactly what you want anymore. But Mm -hmm. if you're sitting from afar looking at people on TV screens and movie screens and thinking, Oh, they have it made. And you're not even like interacting with that. You're not even in that world. It all is going to look magical because that's how it's marketed to you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like most rappers in rap videos, like music videos and stuff don't own those cars and they aren't rich at all. You know what I mean? But the music video is going to make it look like that's how they live. Mm-hmm. And so then now if you, if you don't realize that you try to live up to that standard too, because that's what they're selling. They're selling a lifestyle that isn't real. And so I think the same thing goes for artists. You know, when you're in the incubator, and you're looking out at everybody else in the world and you're thinking, wow, they like, you know, on your Facebook feeds and your marketing feeds and you're thinking, wow, they got it made. The thing is, is that you got to go out there, go see it for yourself. Cause I'll tell you when you get there behind the four walls and you start to see a lot of this stuff, it's not as magical as you think. And it's good that you see that because then you go, Oh, I'm actually doing pretty good. I didn't even yeah. realize that. You know what I mean? And the thing is, it's not about necessarily comparing yourself, but it's about not unrealistically comparing yourself to fantasies that don't exist. You know what I mean? Cause everybody's struggling. And that's the thing that we always got to remember, no matter how good anyone's life looks, everybody's going through some type of struggle. And I think like, just see whatever struggle you're in is this natural and it's healthy and it's a part of your journey and that, you know, it's, it's growing you and it's what you need to grow. And when you get somewhere else, don't think that your struggle is going away. That's just with you for life. 
So let's learn to love it. See it as a friend. See it as this thing that's like helping you. But I think a lot of time we want to go and we want to get fame or fortune or do these things or whatever so that we can somehow beat the struggle. And I hate to break it to everybody, but I just don't think that happens. I think you just have a different struggle. If it's not an external struggle, it's an internal one. If it's, you know, if it's not, if it's not physical, it's emotional, you know, it's, it's something else, but it'll come in its own little way. And, uh, that's great because the struggle is what's going to keep you growing. It's what's going to keep you acting and doing life. And I mean, not acting, but taking action and, you know, and whatever. Otherwise you just might as well be a blob and just sit there and do nothing. And that it's actually that, that struggle is actually part of what is going to bring you joy. Right. You know, in the weird sort of like irony to the whole thing. Yeah. You know, without the struggle, without that struggle that, um, we so desperately don't want to have and, and resist and bemoan and curse at while we're in it is exactly the, th- is exactly the thing that is going, can actually bring you joy. Right. Um, so for me, like my takeaway and really in all of this is, is being like, you know, like find a struggle that you enjoy and find the joy in the struggle. Mm. Both. <laughs> right. Do both of those things. Yeah. I think that's, you know? I think that's it really. It's, it's, I think say it again. It's like find the joy in the struggle and find, right. yeah, find, find, the, find a struggle that you enjoy yeah. and find the joy in the struggle. Yeah. It's a good way to put it, you know, because it's, it's actually, you know, it's actually that thing that's giving you, it's giving you what you actually need. Yeah. Because as we've sort of discussed in sport, if everything was just given to you, it would just be like, life would just be terrible. Yeah. Life would actually be really terrible. Like it would just be, it would just, there'd be, there'd be nothing. What would you like? You'd be so, we'd be so bored out of our goddamn minds. Yeah. If it was just like, yeah, anything you want. Boom, 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 boom. Like it's just, you know, and and there's been lots of tales that have been told over, you know, like the, the years of of people who could do that, you know, like the, you know, Aladdin or something, even like the genie is like being able to have everything you want, you know, and be careful what you wish for. You might just get it right. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's, there is, um, there is a very dark side to having everything that you want Hmm. and to, and to thinking, the, the illusion that having everything you want would make your life amazing. Yeah. Um, because it, it just would, it, it won't, it won't. So actually learning that it's like, you know what? The struggle is the thing. The struggle is the thing that you want, you know? And that doesn't mean, uh, you know, there's going to be connotations associations we have with the, with this concept of struggle. But I think like, as we've explored, there's actually a way of being in struggle. That's quite, that is quite profound and quite rewarding and quite enjoyable when you don't take it so seriously. Right. You know, it's like, Oh, I'm in this thing right now. All right, let's fucking wrestle with it. You know, just like, be like, yeah, dive into it. It is very much like wrestling. Why the hell would people wrestle? <laughs> you know, it's just like, you've got a person who's resisting you. Yeah you know, you've got a person who's trying to throw you down. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, but you're trying to throw them down too. Like you need, it's, 
it's that whole dynamic of the push and the pull and the position and, and the moon, like, and people do this shit for fun. Yeah. Because it's fun. Yeah. How can we start to wrestle with our work in a way that we enjoy? How can we start to look at it in a new light mm. and embrace it and learn from it on, in a deeper level through that understanding? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's my big takeaway on this one. I like it. It's good. Are you going to, is there anything you're going to do specifically with this? Um, specifically that I'm going to do with it. I mean, this is kind of like a, this is actually kind of a new awareness for me because this was, um, recently just like an idea that like has just like been presented to me. So for it to have like start to sink in is kind of a cool thing right now. As far as takeaway with that, you know, like in terms of like learning to enjoy, like struggling with it. Um, there's something within that, that I like, I would love to turn into some sort of like an, an active practice, but I don't know how to quite take it out of just the awareness of it right now. Yeah. I'm not so. sure either. I mean, I think what, I think, you know, I think it's interesting, like just to look at, I'm, I mean, what I'm going to take from this is to be a little bit more bold. I'm going to look at where I can be a little bit more bold because when I'm more bold, I have a struggle that is kind of fun to take on, you know? And I think like certain ways I haven't been as bold as I can be, which is just like, you know, um, going after what I want and, and doing the scary thing. And, uh, you know, and I think like, um, you know, I'm, I'm some ways I'm kind of surprised I ever stopped being bold and, and why I don't do it because it always works out. I mean, it's, it's always, there's always something gained from it. If I get either get what I want and it's incredible or I don't, and I learn something incredible, but it's always incredible. And it's always scary too, before I do it. But I, I think like, what this is making me realize is like the fact that there are still bold things that I can do in my life. That's the territory I really want to explore. Yeah. And I think like, you know, um, I went off a little bit earlier in this podcast about not playing it safe. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to call myself out on that too. I don't want to play it safe in my life. I want to, I want to do the courageous thing. I want to go yeah. out and do the bold thing and, and put myself out there because I look at pretty much every great growth or personal gain or social gain I've ever had is because I put myself out into a situation and I was usually uncomfortable or scared before I did it. But once I did it, regardless of how it played out, I realized it wasn't nearly what I thought it, what I thought it was going to be. And, and after I was in and I was always like, Oh, what was I making such a big deal about? You know what I mean? So I'm just going to, that's the thing I'm going to take forward with this. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to be more bold and I'm going to find those moments where I'm going and wimping out and just go for it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And I think I'll have some really cool things that'll come of that. Yeah. I'm just going to throw a few more things on here. It's like, you know, like is, is learning to look at that sort of that, that struggle as, um, and to find that boldness as, as play. It's Mm -hmm. like, see, it's, it's play. And, and it's almost like, this is a game that I'm involved in, or this is a dance that I'm in especially with creativity and the whole creative process of everything. And I've actually, what I'm going to do is in my sort of creative spaces where I do most of that stuff, uh, I'm actually going to, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I might just start off with some post-it notes and then do something more like, uh, involved, but I'm going to just 
put your on where I where I'm creative. You're on. You're on. Okay. Yeah. Why? Because it's the creative challenge. Something speaks to you, and there's the challenge of it. Oh, like you're on. And like just you like, want to do this? You're just on. Like you're on. Okay. Like just. Oh, I see what you yeah, mean. Yeah. Okay. It just as a way to be like, this is play. Mm. Are you, like, like to take it on. Mm. It's like, all right, yeah, let's wrestle with this. Let's just fucking do it. Okay. You're on. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's what I'm going to do. Cause that just kind of, that was something that just jumped into me. I'm like, that kind of speaks to me. So I would encourage anybody else. Like if there's a way that you can put it in a way, like in your creative space, whether that's in your, in your office with your desk, or, you know, you have a place where you have your, your, your instruments or whatever the hell it is, have something that like you can see and, and just write something that just like kind of makes that makes that challenge into, into something that's a little more playful. Mm. I really like that. I think that's great. Um, okay. So I'll be bold. You, you do your on yeah. and everybody else, you know, take something from this 150th podcast. That was some stuff, man. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.